Well, welcome back to the Vineyard Church Podcast. Today is an exciting day because we are wrapping up our six-week series called Bridging the Gap with Commitment Sunday. Chris helps us see that our relationship with money directly impacts our relationship with God if our relationship with God does not directly impact our relationship with money. It's going to be a great day. Let's listen in. Wow, I have to speak after that. Um, guys, that's what God is up to through the, the ministry of our church. And, um, you know, as, as, as we dive into to, uh, bridging the gap again today, I just want to say there is no more significant thing that you can give your time, your talent, your treasure to than God's kingdom and His work through a vibrant local church. Um, because God is changing lives and he's changing eternities. And that's why we're here. And that's the greatest purpose we can live for. And so, uh, Roger, thank you for sharing your story so courageously. And um, yeah. So good, so good. Well, hey, uh, again, if you are a guest here, you picked the perfect day to be here. Glad you're here. Uh, hope that uh, as you go through today that you will get a clear picture of who we are, maybe clearer than any other Sunday, um, and that uh, this will be the beginning of a journey with, uh, with our church. Uh, we are going to make commitments today to give over the next two years towards some projects, and I'm going to lay, lay all that out here in a moment so you'll be clear on what all that is, not asking you to make any kind of commitment, but just enjoy today uh, and keep coming back. Um, this is a historic uh, defining moment for our church. Uh, today is a historic and defining moment for our church. It is a, a, an opportunity for each of us to make a commitment move, uh, and, and on the other side of commitment moves are big things. Um, you know, um, anybody seen the movie National Treasure starring Nicolas Cage? He is the national treasure, just to be clear. Um, so... <laughs> That was for my daughter who doesn't like Nicolas Cage. But anyway, um, he plays this character, ben Benjamin Gates, and he's the great, 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 great grandson of a, of a guy who discovered that the founding fathers had hidden this treasure that goes all the way back to the Temple of Solomon, and it's hidden somewhere in America, and there are all these clues to get to it. And the next clue in the line of clues is a hidden, secret, invisible map on the Declaration of Independence which is under lock and key at the National Archives. It's under three inches of glass. There's no way to get to it. The security around it is, is incredible. Uh, but he had been working with another guy who's a bad guy. He's the villain in the story. And, and he was going to break in and steal it, this, this bad guy. And he doesn't care about the history or, or anything like that. He would destroy the declaration. So Benjamin Gates comes up with this plan to sneak into the National Archives. They're having a, a gala, so he puts on, you know, a talks and goes into the gala, and then he's going to sneak off during the gala, go down into the basement, and they have this elaborate plan to steal the, the Declaration of Independence. And, um, and so to save it, to well, of course, he wants to see the map, but he also wants to protect the Declaration from this other bad guy who's going to steal it and destroy it. And uh, as, he's, as he's in there in his tuxedo and the gala's going on and somebody hands him a glass of champagne and asks him to, to, to make a toast... And this is what he says. He says, 
to high treason. This is what these men were committing when they signed the declaration. Had we lost the war, they would have been hanged, beheaded, and drawn, and quartered. Oh, and oh, my, my favorite, the, and had their entrails cut out and burned. That's, that's really good stuff. And then he says, so here's to the men who did what was considered wrong to do what they knew was right. And of course, he was referencing his own situation. He's stealing the declaration to to, uh, preserve it. He's doing what would have been considered wrong to, to do what he knew was right. But when you think back to the men in that room in Philadelphia who signed that declaration and, and the risk that they took, their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor, so that we could know freedom. Uh, I mean, if they had not made that commitment move at the risk of their very own lives, if they had not taken that risk and walked through that defining moment in really the history of the world, the world would not have known freedom as it has for the last 200 plus years. We certainly would not have known freedom. See, on the other side of defining moments, on the other side of commitment moves are big things, but they always feel risky in the moment. You know, our church has had some of those defining moments where, where we have made commitment moves along the way. Back in 1979, when Todd and Debbie Hunter left Southern California, the only land they've ever known, <laughs> to come to a town they'd never heard of because God said so to plant this church, it was a defining moment. It was a commitment move. It was a risk. It had to have felt risky. And yet every one of our lives have been impacted because of that decision. And, uh, and, and this community has been impacted in untold ways over the last 44 years because of that decision. And really, as we covered early on in this series, the East Coast of the United States has been impacted because of that decision to step out, take a risk, make a commitment move, and that is a defining moment. You know, when we built our building on Warden Run Road back in 1996, we moved in in 97, that was a commitment move. That was, that was a defining moment. We had been meeting in a gymnasium for 17 years. And we said, you know, we, we, this is not working the way that it needs to work. We need a building. But we had never taken a risk like that before. It was a, it was a step of faith to believe that we could actually come up with the resources to build that building. And, and it was a commitment move. It was a defining moment, and it felt risky at the time. I was there when we dug that first shovel of dirt, you know, when you're, when you're launching a, a building like that. But that building over the last 20-some years has served us so well. It has enabled us to impact n- countless lives. And to this very day, that building is a tool in God's kingdom, but we had to walk through that defining moment. I I think in 2018, when we moved to the Capitol Theater, that was a defining moment. That was a commitment move as well. I mean, we were very, very comfortable at that building that we built in 1996. It had been home for 20-some years. We liked it. It was like a warm blanket. You know, would we come along? Would, we, would, would the congregation make a move that most congregations never do, going from a permanent fixed uh, facility to go portable just so we can reach people in our community for Christ? It's a bold move. 
It was a defining moment. It was a commitment move. We made the statement to our community, we are for the Ohio Valley. We made the statement that we will not allow our comfort and our preferences to keep us from accomplishing the mission that God has given us. We made the statement when we made that move that the, we will follow the Spirit wherever He leads us, whatever it costs us. It was a commitment move. And those commitment moves, those defining moments, they always feel risky. Now, I b- do believe when we look back 20 years from now on today, this will be one of those moments. For us as a church and for a, a lot of us on a personal basis, we are setting out to raise more money than we have ever raised before in the history of our church. We're setting out to raise two, $2.5 million today. We're setting out to do more good than we have, have done and build more bridges and projects than we've ever done at one time. And I am inviting all of us who call Vineyard home to go 100% all in on God's kingdom, to, to surrender the financial part of our lives to God. And again, if you're first time here, there's some context to that statement. I'm not calling everyone to empty their bank accounts. Uh, but I am calling all of us to do is to say that God is first. He gets our first and best, and it's all His. And to live accordingly. Um, we're going in on and building these world-changing bridges together. We're going in on seeking His kingdom first together. This is a defining moment. And many of you will re- uh, commit to reordering your financial life Uh, according to God's priorities, and that is a huge deal. That needs to be celebrated, that needs to be applauded, that needs to be encouraged, and, uh, and it will be a defining moment for you personally. It's going to change your life and your relationship with God, because as we've talked about in this series so far, your relationship with money directly impacts your relationship with God if your relationship with God does not directly impact your relationship with money. We have a relationship with money. We have a relationship with God. If God is not first and impacting how we handle stuff, the opposite will by default become true, and this will become God in our lives. Money will become God in our lives. It's why we say stewardship is discipleship. At some point in our relationship with God, we have to wrestle stuff and the impact and the, the, the hold that it has over our hearts to the ground. It's part of following Jesus. So let's review. Let's review. God owns everything, right? We established that early on in the series. It's 100% His. It's not 90% mine, 10% His. It's not any other proportion. Everything in the earth, including everything I own, belongs to God. One of the most significant mindset mindset shifts you can make is when you get that through your heart. It all belongs to him. He asks us to take care of it for him. He asks us to give him our first and our best. And he asks us to be obedient to him when he guides us to give beyond that. And the reason this is important is because it's a heart issue. God's not after our money and he's not after our stuff. He's after our hearts. This is a heart check issue. This is a step of surrender. This when we take a, 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 a tangible step in the physical, it leads our hearts in the spiritual. 
And we say, God, you're first. You get our best. We surrender. We're willing to make that commitment move. It reminds us that He's God and stuff is not. And it's an act of worship. Remember Romans 12, when we are living sacrifices, when we choose what God wants above what we want, when we allow Him to even make us uncomfortable in the process, but choose to obey Him even though we don't completely understand 100% what He's up to, then we say, God, I submit to You. I surrender. That's worship. That's worship. It's why in in our services, oftentimes we'll say we're going to continue in worship through our offering. Because as we give, nobody likes to part with stuff. But as we give, we are surrendering to God. And actually, it does become a joy over time because, because of everything we've covered in this series. I don't have time to go back over all of that. But He also gave us a mission. Guys, every one of us has a purpose, and together as the church, we have the purpose of helping people find and follow God. The reality is there's a couple hundred thousand people who live within driving distance of our church, most of whom desperately need Jesus. And the mission that Jesus gave us before He left was to build a bridge between them and Him, the people He loves. There's not one of them that he doesn't love. There's not one of them that he, doesn't, he didn't die for. There's not one of them that he doesn't want to see saved and redeemed and delivered. And we're the rescue plan. And we are compelled and we are called into this mission because we have experienced this mission because of his amazing grace for us, his unbelievable love and sacrifice for us. And he calls us to this. This is our purpose while we're here, shaping eternities. There's no greater privilege. There's no greater use of our time, our talent, or our treasure. And it's our debt to Him for the amazing grace He's shown us. And as His Spirit pours His love into our hearts, not only is it our our obligation, it is our joy. Because as we grow, we begin to love and care about people. Over the next two years, we're going to continue to do the ministry that we've been doing for the last 44. God, it is uh, the ministry of this church is so important. The ministry of a vibrant local church is, in my opinion, the most impactful one because it's eternal, two because it's transformative. There's nothing else that transforms the human heart. The most high impact, most important thing going on in the community is a vibrant, outward-focused, healthy, spirit-filled church. And you're sitting in one. But beyond that, we believe that God has called us to four projects that we call bridges. The first is to the next generation. The next generation is being led away from faith and away from God and away from the church in very intentional and destructive ways. And we see that in the, in the stats coming out now, the suicide rate off the chart, anxiety and depression off the chart, uh, mental health issues off the chart in the next generation. You take God out of a, out of a generation and it will implode 
We have to build bridges to the next generation. And so we're going to do that in a couple ways. One is by transforming the building that we own across the street here on the corner into a vibrant, uh, high-impact children's environment that we can use on Sunday mornings for Sunday church so that there is a place where kids will drag their families to church and while they're over there getting Jesus on their level, the parents can come over here and get Jesus on their level. And there's enough space in that building to fill that building and fill this building with adults. And that's entirely what we intend to do. Because as we are ministering to that many people, as Jesus is transforming that many lives, guys, make no mistake, the culture of our community will be transformed over time. This is, this, it's, it's, it's huge. The second, oh, as part of that, a cafe on the, on the main street first floor level so that we have a spot to gather and get caffeinated and share fellowship together before and after services, an important part. The second bridge is to families. A child care and, and a preschool center in that same space all week long. Literally enabling us to minister to two to three hundred kids on a daily basis. And not just any child care center, a Christian child care center, where they will be getting a foundation in faith, where their families will be influenced in faith. And these, by and large, are going to be people who don't come to church here on Sunday. And so it's a whole another congregation of people we have the opportunity to influence and pour into. Again, shaping the culture of our community and giving those kids a foundation in faith that will serve them for the rest of their lives. The third bridge is to the broken. A women's hope center. A, a recover, residential recovery program that I believe will, again, reverberate for generations to come. I think we'll look back on what we've done with Hope Center over the last year and then the, what we're about to do in the coming year, and we're going to go, that was a turning point. That was a, that was a pivot point, a defining moment for our community. Because as, as the folks go through Hope Center and come out on the other end, they are going to be discipled, they are going to learn leadership, and they're going to have the ability to turn around and minister to addiction in our community and we don't have anybody to do that right now or we have very few people to do that right now we're gonna have an army of them and the last bridge is to the least we always try to do something for people who can't do anything in return for us and this last bridge bridge number four is to the folks in costa rica uh, pastor cesar flores we're going to help help them expand their facility, probably more than double their facility, so they can care for kids in their community and reach the next generation there. And so these we're calling bridges because a strategically placed bridge changes everything just like this bridge right here did 150 years ago, 170 years ago, whenever. Uh, I haven't done the math, so I'm trying to do it in real time. That's not working out real well. So but that bridge changed everything about this community. And I believe these things, these bridges will as well. And the people wheeling didn't wait around for the government to build that bridge. They got tired of that. Government's not going to solve the problems we face, guys. It's on us. And we can do it. We got this.
So we're going after the mission with all we got. We're con continuing the all-in ministry God has already called us to here week in, week out, to youth, to kids, to, to adults, to throughout the community and all the various ways that we minister. Those are all going to continue. And God has expanded our ministry scope with these bridges and he's created a gap that we now have the opportunity to fill as we make our commitments and our pledges um, to bridge the gap, financially speaking. Now, for a lot of us, I think this has been an uncomfortable series. Uh, and and uh, again, I hope not because I have preached in a manipulative or uncomfortable way. I don't believe I have, but I do believe that when God starts putting his finger on areas of our life that we have not surrendered, it gets uncomfortable. And so that's a good thing. That always starts out scary at first, right? Now, that's been my experience. When God calls me to surrender something and I don't want to or it's something I didn't want to do, and I'm like, <gasps> it kind of takes my breath away. And then as I lean into it, as I work through it with him rather than pull back, I find myself come through to the other side and get really excited about what's going to happen next. And I've seen that happen over and over in my life. I saw it happen in this series when we were talking about having the children donate their favorite toy so that we could take it to Costa Rica to the kids down there to teach our kids the lesson that this is just stuff. After a week or two, you're not going to miss it anyway. They're not going to miss it anyway. And, uh, and the joy of sacrifice and the joy of giving. And, uh, and you know what? The kids, when they first introduced that, they all cried. <laughs> Not really, but it, it, some of them did. Uh, it was like, oh, my, my thing. You know, but as they've worked through it, the exact same thing. They're excited about it now. And that's how it works. And I hope, that's why we've done a six-week series on this, to allow God to work in our hearts, to allow God to speak to us, to allow God to take our breath away and make us uncomfortable. You know, when, with, with the kids, and, 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 and then when I heard the Lord saying, I want you to give me your favorite toy, I almost fell over. I was like, no. And then I realized, oh, yeah, I guess that kind of owns me. It's just a thing. And now I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. Well, God has been working in all of our hearts. And that's been, for me, one of the more exciting parts about this entire journey. And um, he's been working in the hearts of our kids as well. And so I just want you to take a minute watch this video uh, some of our kids are going to share. You know, they, they took this very seriously. And um, this is just inspiring to watch them sacrifice. Well, in just a minute... We're going to uh, we're going to fill out our our commitment cards and uh, and uh, but before we do, I just want to share one more thing with you. Um, you know, we we did something a few weeks ago. Uh, it was Monday, two Mondays ago. We had a, an early commitment event. We had our leaders come together, the our, our board and and staff and volunteers and. And, and people who lead in various ways come together to make a commitment early to kind of set the pace and lead the way for the rest of the congregation. And that is entirely biblical. Uh, in, the, in the book of uh, First Chronicles, David 
uh, is reaching the end of his reign as king, the end of his life, and his desire was to build a temple for the Lord. God had been living in a tent up to that point, and he felt like God deserves a temple, and he wanted to build the temple, and God told him no. Your son Solomon's going to build the temple. So David's like, all right, well, then I'm going to raise the resources to build the temple. And he calls on the leadership of the nation to come together and go first. They call on the whole nation to come and give eventually, but the leaders go first. And that's what we did two weeks ago. Um, and and I, I want to read this passage from 1 Chronicles 29.6. This is, this is what the leaders did. It says, Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work on the temple of God. And I'm going to read, I'm going to interpret amounts for you so it makes sense. They gave 190 tons of gold. That's a lot of gold. They gave 380 tons of silver. They gave 675 tons of bronze and 3,800 tons of iron. Now, iron and bronze are not precious metals, but in their day, they were very hard to come by. They were very expensive. They gave a fortune. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel, the Gershonite, the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. Let me read that again. For they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. They set the pace for the rest of the country, and the rest of the country came and gave generously, and obviously they built a, a, a marvel of the world, the temple in Jerusalem, for the Lord. Well, like I said, two Mondays ago, we came together and we did something similar and called our leaders to give first. Guys, um, and for those of us who are going, well, this is impossible. There's no way we're going to raise two and a half million dollars. I just want you to know that the leaders of our church have already pledged 50% of what we're trying to raise. Unbelievable. Take a look at this video from our early commitment event. Well, thank you for everyone who has, uh, has made that commitment. And uh, now we're going to have an opportunity for the, the rest of us to, uh, to weigh in on that. Now, I do want to say this. We're 50% of the way there, which means we have 50% of the way to go. Uh, and it's going to take every one of us, as I said at the very, very first of this, this series, every one of us, Praying, listening to God, and then doing what He says. And if we do, all do that, we got this. Uh, but uh, it's not a slam dunk if we're sitting on the sidelines. I just want you to know we can do it. We, we can do this. Um, all right. So in a minute, I'm going to give you some time to uh, spend with your card. If you have a spouse, to spend uh, praying, to spend, spend talking, and to spend filling out that that commitment card. But before I do, I want to read this almost as a prayer over you. After the, the, the people of God gave in, in 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 10, David made this declaration. So just kind of close your eyes, open your heart, maybe open your hands, and, um, and just, just receive this as a blessing. 
David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in our hearts, in the hearts of your people forever, and keep their hearts loyal to you. And then David said in verse 20 to the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. So they all praise the Lord, the God of their fathers. And that's exactly what we're going to do here in just a moment. If you would, take out your commitment card. I hope you've been praying. If, I hope you've been listening. And I hope that God's been speaking. And I hope you have a number. What we're talking about here is what you're planning on giving over the next two years. This would include what you normally give to the church and everything over and above to bridge this gap that we have for these projects. All right, so that bottom line number says my total giving over the next two years that's all of that, what you would normally give and what we're, you're giving towards the projects that we're doing for two years. Does that make sense? Say yes. All right. Well, guys, what that number does is it helps us to make plans. It helps us to, to deal with the finances of getting a project of this scale started and, and everything else. It's an important piece of information for us to have as we put together the plans to, and execute the plans to make all this happen. So all those other blanks are there to help you figure that out. So you can use, use them if you like. Otherwise, if you have a number you came in with, you just write that number on the bottom line. We have a way on the back end to figure out what you normally give and what's going towards, towards the project. So that's, that's not difficult. Put your name and other information on there and then ask God what he wants you to do and then do it, whatever it is, obey him. Let's all make a commitment move today and allow our giving to define our living rather than our living to define our giving. So I'm going to give you a few minutes here to fill this out. Stay in your seat. I'll be back to give you more direction in a moment and let you know what's coming next. So we're just going to have some music playing, conversations with spouse, prayer, 
calculations. It's not unspiritual to pull out a calculator if you need to. Some of us need calculators. So, Lord, I just pray that you would speak right now in this, in this moment. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us on the Vineyard Church Podcast today. It's our greatest desire for people to find and follow God, and we hope this podcast is one way that helps you do just that. But don't stop here. We would love to see you face-to-face. God's people grow most in community, so don't forget you can join us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to connect with us in the meantime, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. You can catch up on previous messages and series, request prayer, and even download additional content. Thanks again for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.